0: Welcome into the Talk of Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodred of nfl.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined as I always am by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at bamaonline.com, also the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports, which you can catch at 100.9 in Tuscaloosa 11 and noon weekdays, the Talk of Tide podcast available to you online at podbean.com. Also various apps, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Our Twitter feed, Talking Underscore Tide. You can catch our latest drops through that Twitter feed. And uh, without further ado, Travis, we're uh, reconvening here after kind of an extended layoff, extended preseason layoff. It's been an extended layoff for all of college football, right? So I guess it, it only follows that we would do the same. Uh, but here we are, Missouri week, midweek, the season finally getting underway. Uh, a lot to get into, starting, I guess, with depth chart Monday and uh, a quick acknowledgement that our uh, our inability to get off uh, kind of a preseason recap pod was due to a, uh, a technical difficulty, we'll call it, uh, that was... Uh, <laughs> Yours truly's fault alone. So there you have it. I'll give you the floor now, Travis.
1: Well, it's uh, literally everything's day-to-day right now. Uh, Even with college football cranking back up, we're seeing some programs pause. We're seeing some games rescheduled now. Notre Dame, USF played last Saturday in South Bend. Lo and behold, a few days later, we come to find out both have positive tests, and now both won't play this weekend. They've had to postpone games. So, uh, look. I don't know if there ever was a, a, a drop-dead starting date for something like this or a restart date, but it is SEC week finally, right? And it kind of could be staggered throughout the, the first couple of months. You had G5s cranking it up earlier in the month and the ACC chiming in, the Big 12, now the eight, SEC, the uh, Big 10 has done a about face and will fire it back up next month. Uh, and then apparently even the, the Pac-12 is going to limp in here. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's going to be really literally the damnedest thing we've ever seen. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Crazy,
0: for sure. Yeah, the late, as we record uh, here on Wednesday night, the latest on the Pac-12, which I think may move uh, or advance a bit on Thursday in one way or another, uh, that reports now, Travis, talking about the Pac-12 maybe starting – November 7th with
1: a six-game schedule for you. Yeah. Uh, Jeez. You talk about I, JV. I mean, that's the JV league right now, so why not play a six-game JV-like schedule? You know? Oh, that's oof. typically how JV schedules work out these days. But, um, I mean, you've got now the Mountain West is going to play and the Macs talking about playing. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, everybody suddenly is figuring out a way to, to at least at least try into October, November, and yeah, you know, we're going to get into mid-December with some of these rescheduled games. You're already seeing it. You know, Notre Dame's going to play December the 12th now at Wake Forest since it won't play this weekend uh, in North Carolina. Uh, kind of the same thing with South Florida. So uh, it just just be uh, it, it flexible, I guess. That's, that's the key word this season, flexibility when it comes to the scheduling.
0: Yeah, it seems like, though, as we sit here, Travis, in late September – that all that flexibility is getting burned at both ends of the candle
1: already. Yeah. Yeah. Getting tight. Yeah, already getting tight. You know, not so much for like the Notre Dames who piggybacking on the ACC this year, but absolutely, man, when you start thinking about what the Big Ten's going to try to navigate and understand with daily testing that could help that league in, in eliminating or at least significantly reducing the potential for cancellations and postponements. Uh, no doubt. Same for the Pac-12. I mean, how are we gonna? How are we gonna evaluate the Pac-12 on a six-game schedule to begin with? I, against know? the rest of them, playing 10, ten, whatever—it's yeah. Yeah, hard to do, you know. Yeah, well, I mean. and, and look, I understand. This has always been about content, right? Trying to pull off a season of any kind this fall was always about television money, at least. And you're even going to see and the SEC and some other places, some ticket revenue at least. But it's always been about you know trying to fulfill contractual obligations that will sort of reduce the heavy losses financially that these teams and these schools are taking. So we we get that. But, man, yeah, when you start trying to put together a, a playoff field, I mean, look, it's not like the Pac-12 has been relevant all that much in that regard anyway. Uh, that's essentially saying we're we're not playing for really anything other than a sort of modified Pac-12 championship and maybe maybe a place in the Rose Bowl. And look, there's plenty of people out on the West Coast and in the Midwest. They, if you tell them the 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 Rose Bowl is the ceiling uh, of their championship aspirations for a football season, they're still fine with that, man. Those people love themselves some Rose Bowl still.
0: They do. They do. And at the end of the day, it's all about getting back on TV and and basically clawing
1: back some revenue-wise. Well, and there's recruiting to consider, too. I mean, you talk about the worst nightmare for coaches like Ryan Day and Harbaugh and uh, Cristobal and Clay Helton is to just be totally sitting on the sidelines while the SEC is just from 11 a.m. Central time till midnight playing football each and every Saturday on the televisions of per, of potential uh, uh, recruits you know so there's there's some of that too yeah no
0: doubt about it I I'm loath to 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 credit Urban Meyer because I'm not an Urban Meyer fan but one of the points he's made on the Big Ten Network that I think is salient too Travis it really really is not getting talked about a ton is that If you don't play in the fall and you and you bump it to the spring in the spring, you you know, playing the spring, that's maybe looking like a six game schedule, too. But there's a there's a developmental angle to this where whereby if if it's a write off of a season, whatever you do, fall, spring, what have you. Well, you come back around the next year in 2021 and from a developmental, especially if there's issues next spring with COVID and spring practice, you get back around to fall 2021 and guess what? Your juniors are still playing like sophomores. Your sophomores are still playing like freshmen and maybe you got some seniors
1: still playing like juniors. Well, the Big Ten was going to keep practicing for the most part, regardless of whether or not it played this fall. So in some ways, I think you could say they were going to swap. Um, but anytime you get sort of off calendar, and you know this football coaches especially they hate that man. They do not like to come off their routine, and, and it and it can impact continuity and sort of the the the, the process of uh, you know administering your program on a day to day, week to week, month to month basis, and. If you do get that off kilter a little bit, yeah, I would see, I could see where that could, could have some impact that you wouldn't like. The Alabama
0: depth chart is out this week. Travis we will turn to the crimson tide, uh, eight minutes into the podcast, (laughs) but, uh, I'll tell you what it's bananas in college across college football right now. So that's front and center, uh, depth chart Monday, I guess not a ton of surprises, Uh, Anything jump out at you as Nick Saban, as he always does the Monday before the season opener, announces a two deep that's loaded with oars uh, and uh, I guess some remaining question marks as a result of those oars. But uh, your thoughts on this thing, what
1: you expected or did anything jump out? Yeah, I think we sort of expected on the defensive side of the ball to see a lot of fresh faces, perhaps even a couple of newcomers uh, on the top line of some of those positions. That's exactly how that played out with an emphasis on Will Anderson at the Jack linebacker position, Malachi Moore, Brian Branch there together at the star position, Uh, but even at some other spots that aren't necessarily newcomers. You got some guys haven't played a lot of football that are being thrust into prominent roles now on that side of the ball. Daniel Wright, it's safety comes to mind. Josh Job has been sporadic the last couple of years at the one corner spot. Um, you've got some guys that have been around five years, like Ben Davis, we're finally seeing up there near the top of the depth chart at this point in his career. Christopher Allen is a fourth year junior. So, you know, those are some specific areas defensively where you probably had the biggest questions to answer. And so we'll see how that plays out during the early stages uh, of the season. Um, you know, offensively, I thought it, it was about what you would expect. I, I would say this for the football team in general. Uh, based on the oars, a lot of times, you can kind of get a feel for how situational an Alabama team is going to be, and I think this team's going to be very much that way. Uh, offensively, is it going to be more of a balance of two tight end sets and three wide receiver sets, been predominantly three wide receiver sets the last two seasons? Defensively, I mean, you can go from base to nickel to dime and you can talk about 11 players when in reality, when you factor in all the different situational personnel, it looks like Alabama is going to utilize on defense. You're probably talking more about 18 to 20 guys on a weekly basis that are going to be right there in the mix from a game plan perspective. And, you know, that's you could even say the same about kicking the football between field goal, extra point kickoffs, punting. Uh, you're going to have multiple guys involved there, too, either, I don't think. So, uh, a situational football team is, is what this looks like to me as we head into this season opener.
0: Along those lines, Travis, two positions on this depth chart release had three guys jammed all with the first group. One. A defensive end position, uh, that that end position that tends to play a little more five tech with with thicker, stronger guys, Justin O'Boi, Christian Barmore, Fedarian Mathis, or 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 all across with the first unit there. The other position where you you had the same situation was punter: Sam Johnson, Charlie Scott, Ty Perrine, uh, or or right at the. T- Basically, the way I read it, Travis, and that's when I covered Alabama occasionally this would happen and it's, it's been a lot of years now, but I would read it the same way. Then those are two positions where you got to say, hadn't nobody's won a job, right?
1: Yeah. I, I think there's reasons for some of that too. And, and look, you know, you go back over the last few seasons with Alabama punting football, you had two different punters in 2018 post JK Scott uh, in 2000 and 19 you had three different punters a couple of those guys did punt in 2018 but you added Ty P. Ryan you had four different last year as a matter of fact because Will Reichard, uh had a couple of boots himself as a true freshman so that's 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 been a total revolving door in the in the wake of, of J.K. Scott but you know that defensive front I think other than LeBron Ray at the end position you know you could see a number of guys and And you kind of anticipated that, given that as a true freshman, you saw a lot of of Boigby. You saw a lot of Byron Young. Uh, That said, I think the expectation, certainly a lot of the buzz going into the preseason, was that Christian Barmore would be that other end opposite LeBron Ray. There's been some issues with Christian Barmore in the preseason. Most recently, a knee injury that has kind of sidelined him, limited him. I know Nick Saban on Wednesday at his midweek news conference, pointed to that and said it's been very frustrating for Christian Barmore. But you have significant depth. Now, what we're going to find out is, do you have some playmakers? Do you have some sacks? Do you have some tackle for lost guys? Because that's where the expectation rested largely with Barmore. Right there in the middle of that defense, D.J. Dale expected to be the guy on the point. Uh, but it'll be interesting even beyond him to see where they go at that spot. You know, will it be a Federian Mathis, kind of a swing guy between end and nose tackle? Will it be a second-year guy like Ishmael Softshirt? Uh, What about a true freshman like Timothy Smith? There's a ton of names still in that mix. Again, the guys that they're going to look to hang their hat on, though, I think early, for sure, are going to be Dale and LeBron Ray. Not a guy
0: on this entire Alabama defensive line, Travis, that anybody would classify as a legit college star, which is obviously unusual for an Alabama defensive line that turns out first and second round draft picks on a pretty regular basis. But Barmore, as much as he flashed last year, has to be the guy that you point to as, okay, if there's going to be a major playmaker, one of the top defensive linemen in in, in the conference, to spring out of this group in 2020, he's the guy people are pointing to, I think, based on uh, the fact that he, he just he showed a little bit more, I think, than than anybody else on
1: here a year ago. He did. Uh, you're right. When it comes to TFL, sacks, pass rush, things like that. He was more of that guy. Um, but there's also a reason why you didn't see more of him despite that. Right. I mean, typically a guy's making plays, you're going to see more of them than you saw of Christian Barmore a year ago. He had some work to do, had some ground to cover in terms of becoming the sort of trustworthy option uh, that Nick Saban, Pete Golding, new defensive line coach Freddie Roach uh, was really going to look to uh, in that sort of role. So uh, essentially some maturity needed to take place. Uh, I think that's still a work in progress with him, but if he's fully engaged and healthy and, uh, you know, sort of pointed in the right direction, oh, there's no doubt. I'd still go with Barmore as the guy that, you know, can be that, that disruptive force that you're kind of wait, waiting to see move forward. And, and look, for LeBron Ray, it's been mostly about health. I mean, two out of the last three years, he's just struggled to stay on the field. I think if LeBron Ray can avoid the injury bug, I think we'll find out that, you know, he's capable of being – you know, maybe a double-digit tackle for loss guy, maybe a six or seven sacks type guy. But we just haven't been able to see him on the field enough.
0: The Talking Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Tune In. Moving on, the Twitter feed, Talking to Underscore Tide. Keep up with drops of the podcast through that channel all you want. Chase Goodbread, Travis Ryer with you. Going to thank a couple of sponsors right now. Uh, Starting with North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley. Hey, give them a call, 352-35, excuse me, 752-3506, or go to the web to make an appointment at northriverdentist.com. Conveniently located right off of McFarland Boulevard Boulevard in Northport, right past that Jimmy John's and uh, Travis, Dr. Jack, and his uh, outstanding staff. Uh, do such a great job. Pediatric dentistry, cosmetic dentistry, laser dentistry, they do it all, oral surgery, dentures, whatever you might need, they will get you taken care of. And routine clinic uh, cleanings, you are in and out of there, typically in under an hour. They're great with working with insurance folks. They're great with reminding you when you've got to uh, get in there for an appointment and it's a month away or it's a week away or a couple days away from you uh, needing to get that cleaning They can shoot you a reminder via text. They can do it uh, with a voicemail or a phone call, uh, an email, you name it.
1: Uh, Just all-around great experience over at North River Dental Associates. Yeah, they're outstanding. The youngest of ours had an issue here recently. Freshman in college, a lot on her plate, stressed out, but that part of her day-to-day life was made a lot easier by Dr. Jack Smalley and the great people there. At uh, North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about Southern Ale House there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. I find myself there at lunch more often than not, but I'm going to tell you this. After the special, I saw via social media on Wednesday night, a toasted ravioli stuffed with lobster meat, mm. and they had a brown sugar cream sauce to go with that. Chef Fuller Goldsmith with that how about that the young man is outstanding he's one of the top young chefs in the country that one caught the old eye on wednesday night but typically lunch again a great choice as well whether it's the salads whether it's the sandwiches the great burger or great chicken sandwiches whether you like those fried or grilled they can take care of you southern ale house 1530 mcfarland boulevard north also going to tell you about heat pizza bar downtown tuscaloosa at Government Plaza, our guys Frank and Will and the crew always doing a great job down there. Great pizzas, great specials every night of the week during the weeknight sort of portion of the week, anyway. And a uh, uh, great folks just to do business with. Uh, can't say enough about it. Uh, the Tuesday night, the Thai chicken pizzas for just seven bucks. That's one of the one of the great enjoyments in my life are those Thai chicken pizzas. But they're all great. Can't go wrong with any of them at. Heat pizza bar downtown Tuscaloosa, Government Plaza. Talking Tide Podcast at podbean.com,
0: iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer uh, with you for a little bit longer here on this midweek edition of the Talking Tide Podcast as we preview Alabama and Missouri. And uh, we'll finally get into that uh, lock, stock, and barrel, Travis. Alabama and Missouri getting together at 6 p.m kickoff central time Saturday it'll be on ESPN uh Eli Drinkwitz taking over the Tigers program uh, for his first season as head coach and right out of the gate Travis he's down 12 bodies uh and and I guess we don't even know exactly who those bodies are uh due to COVID what a blow and and why not? Why don't, why don't we just start here, Travis? If you're the Vegas man, and I haven't even looked at this. I imagine you have. I'm assuming this
1: is off the board, right? If you're the Vegas man, no, no. you can't put this on the board. No, nah, the man, man's man got something for you. He's got it 27 at last check, Alabama. So if you absolutely have to get you some of Alabama-Missouri, you can get it. Alabama is a 27-point favorite on Saturday night. With 12 men down that are unidentified. <laughs> and you don't, yeah, that you don't know. Although, in talking with some folks uh, up that way, it, it doesn't sound like it's the quote-unquote star power of this team, which is also, unfortunately for Missouri, somewhat difficult to <laughs> identify. identify. I mean, yeah, Larry Roundtree the third at running back, uh, you know, a really good player. I mean, you've got good players on this team, don't get me wrong. I think that front seven – uh, is, is going to be really solid for Missouri uh, once again this season. You're talking about a weak side linebacker like Nick Bolton that's a first-team All-SEC guy, a solid middle linebacker and Devin Nich- Nicholson, second-team All-SEC guy, and Kobe Whiteside at defensive tackle. So there's some players, but it, it doesn't sound like it's one of those guys, I guess is what I'm saying. But you know, you've still got to figure out. Some quarterback situation. Is it going to be Sean Robinson, the TCU transfer behind center? Uh, the offensive line is being reworked a little bit. So, you know, it's a good thing Drinkwitz has a background and there's a reason why he's there. It's because he does have a, a background on offense. Missouri folks had grown tired of seeing that product that Barry Odom had put out there. He, he's, he was a defensive guy. So they've made that switch to Drinkwitz and, um, you know, it, it again, it's it's problematic on, on multiple levels uh, when you're transitioning as a head coach to begin with. But you throw in all these external factors that become internal because you don't have a choice in the matter. Uh, you know, you, you, you literally, if you're a Missouri fan, don't know what to expect on Saturday night.
0: You mentioned they feel pretty good, rightfully so, about the front seven on defense. As we know, Travis, Missouri, despite – head coaching turnover that's been pretty significant over recent years. They have horses on that defensive line and at linebacker, typically not the Mikes, typically the edge guys uh, over there. Uh, Kobe Whiteside kind of carrying the torch for that uh, for that tradition, at least uh, for this 2020 squad, I think, a
1: playmaker. Yeah, you know what they haven't had the last couple of years is that edge pass rusher. Remember Michael Sam, Shane right. Ray? You know, those type of real edge dominant forces. Marcus Golden. Yeah, Marcus Golden, Coney Ely, you know, maybe more along the lines of a defensive end that in that role than, say, a Jack linebacker. But, you know, that's what I've always sort of equated the Missouri defense to. Just had 19 sacks a year ago. That was the lowest in the SEC. And so that's going to have to improve. But look, when you talk about matched ups, of strength on strength I do think Missouri feels like it won't be easy dealing with Najee Harris and that offensive line but I also am not anticipating Alabama lining up on the opening snap Saturday night handing it to Najee and Najee just kind of saunters for 17 yards in a first down now I do think there will be some form of resistance put up by that defense based largely on the interior of it between the inside linebackers, the defensive tackle situation. Um, you know, that's where I, I think uh, Missouri feels like it, it can compete the best probably with this Alabama team.
0: You know, offensively, really quick, Travis, it seems like things are set up so well for Mac Jones. I mean, look, I, I get it that he's entering his first year as a full-time starter at Alabama. It's a tough place to play that position, but who could argue with the weapons uh, and the situation? I mean, he's got a massive offensive line in front of him that is expected to be one of the best in the SEC. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, maybe a, a, a Jacobs Award threat type group. I think they're just huge up there, uh, and they can and they can play and they can move. I believe uh, the, I believe the, the math got done on Crimson Cover last week, Travis. They're they average three hundred three thirty four a man up front for Mac Jones. You got Najee Harris in the backfield to hand it to, and you got the best tandem of wideouts, the, certainly the most explosive tandem of wideouts in college football with Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. Things set up really well for Mac Jones from a personnel standpoint, the offseason standpoint, obviously, because of COVID, not ideal, but the personnel, it's, it's right there for
1: him. Oh, no doubt. And that's that's the problem for Missouri defensively is that, OK, if you do prove to be competitive uh, with the Alabama run game early on Saturday night, uh, there's some issues on the back end of that Missouri defense to go along with a pass rush that hasn't been Mizzou like in recent years. Uh, and so if you can't get pressure on Mac Jones and you give Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, John Mechie. The rest of those guys, time to get into their routes and work. You know, the explosive plays, they're not just going to dry up because Tua Tagovailoa is in South Florida. We saw that last year. I mean, when Mac jumped in there, yes, you still had Judy and Ruggs in that rotation as well. But, you know, it's not like Alabama was forced to go with jet sweeps and bubble screens just because Tua was sidelined. They continue to... Be aggressive in the intermediate and deeper parts of the field. And, you know, Max showed some real promising things. And I think early on Saturday night, uh, with the focus probably early being mostly or largely on Najee in the run game, I think you're going to see Alabama take a shot, at least one early, uh, you know, because the man to man opportunities probably still be there in some form or fashion.
0: All right. Once again, Alabama at Missouri, 6 p.m. Central Time. Kickoff on Saturday on ESPN. Travis, before we get out of here, uh, I got to blindside you with, with, with this one, uh, just for a, a, a quick take from you. What about Deion Sanders and Jackson State? <laughs> How about Dion Over yeah, there. Deion, in Deion,
1: Deion the came into State. the press conference. Yeah, Dion Cadillac. Deion, Deion was in the Escalade, you know, coming in there. It kind of reminded me of when Dion reported to Florida State as a player back in the day and i think it was kind of the same
0: procession. entrance
1: yeah yeah and the tallahassee for Dion coming from fort myers florida no i mean it's a splash there's no doubt about it but you know there's a reality that's coming and unless jackson state just has a war chest that they've been holding back for i don't know 70 years or so now um you know it, it it's not going to be florida state it's not going to be power five in terms of budget you certainly don't have the same number of scholarships to work with that you have at the division. I Dion, level. What are you so, talking about?
0: Dion, Dion's the war chest.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think, I, I think, I think they might be surprised if they say, you know, we kind of thought Dion, you might cut a check to the program. Yeah. You know? Like your boy, Bob, the bunker, you know, and, and the Blues Brothers—that's the response he's going to get, you know, when, when if that question comes. But I know, look, I'm—I I'm, I'm, think it's great on the surface. Look, I hope it works out. I hope Dion is—you know—everything that. Yeah, it'll 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 be fun while it lasts. I guess that's the best way to say. It. While it lasts, it should be a lot of fun. Gonna do it for
0: this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Great to be back here in fall 2020 as the Alabama football season commences Saturday at Missouri. Be sure to join us Sunday night when we recap the Alabama-Missouri game. Uh, for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you uh, next time right here on Talking Tide.